Welcome to the Light Gray Art Lab podcast. I'm Lindsay Noel. I'm Jenny Bookler. I'm Chris Heine. And I'm Francesca Butchko. And we just had the opening reception of Bowerbird this past Friday uh, from 7 to 10 p.m. <laughs> okay. Nice. In just in case, case you were curious <laughs> of when, exactly when. It was really nice. It was a nice leisurely experience with chilly outdoors and the chilliness flowing through the one open door that I stood next to you all day <laughs> and people coming in and taking a look at all the awesome collections. Uh, if you guys haven't seen the show yet and you are not in Minneapolis, you should check it out online. Jenny set up a really awesome page online where you can read all of the information about all the different collections that people have. A lot of funny, like esoteric stuff, a lot of bones, a lot of like unique specimens, um, and some pretty funny stuff, too. I think some people collect some interesting things. So uh, we have 90 artists in the show, and each person has something totally unique, uh, and everybody's done something on a postcard format. And so when you look through it on the gallery, you're going to see a lot of really cool stuff done in some great formats. And especially, I think on the shop, too, we have a listing of all the special features on any of the postcards, yep, too. Yep, so a lot of the artists uh, did, like, spot varnish or on, like, premium matte paper or screen printing really fun techniques Um, and these are also not only prints but also mailable postcards so there's a backside that you don't get to see on the shop which is pretty fun secret backside um, that you can mail back out into the world which is really (laughs) 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 yeah so this this show is really fun and we usually do one of these almost every year where we have a big massive art swap so each of the artists in the show actually made their postcard into a limited edition um signed and numbered yeah signed and numbered anywhere from 100 to 150 postcards and they are going to be shipped back out to the artist so each artist in the show gets an entire collection of all the collections which is really fun it is so cute i really love these collection projects i think it's it's Definitely really neat. Of course, it's great to look at it online, but it's also really mm-hmm. fun if you're somebody who wants to participate in the future. Again, just keep your eyes out because we've got yeah. some different kinds of concepts. We had a zine swap um, two years ago, mm-hmm. which was really great. And so everybody got a big package of zines too. So um, we also, um, things coming up, have a couple game nights, right, before the end of the year? Yep. There's one on the 10th, Ice Cold, one on the 17th. Uh, helping out, I believe it's called. So mm-hmm. we'll have both of those. One will be games set in the Arctic wastes that we currently live in, and yeah. then the other one is set uh, <laughs> or helping out, putting lending in a helping hand. So probably co-op games and stuff like that. Things where you're on a team, um, and those are again the 10th and the 17th, and they're both 6:30 to 9:30 p.m. And sandwiched right in between those is our cookie party. Cookie sandwich. There's a cookie sandwich. <laughs> there will probably be some bars, some cookies, some like blobs that are held together by marshmallow that Jenny makes. Mm-hmm. Delicious, delicious little. Probably what are me those too. called clusters? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yep. So, not blobs. And then so probably some old tasteless granny cookies. Am I selling this well to the to the world? Yeah. So uh-huh. on, <laughs> just in case you're curious. When this what is so on <laughs> December thirteenth from one to three, we're hosting the, I think the fourth annual cookie party. Uh, so you guys can bring a batch of your favorite cookies and also bring a container to take new cookies home. There will be prizes for the most unique cookies, um, as well as coffee, tea, ice cold milk, all sorts of stuff. So you should stop by and say hi and get in the mood for cookie time. So again, the Sunday, yes, the thirteenth. Uh, from 1 to 3 p.m. Sunday, so Sunday, Sunday. It's a very short little window of time, but it's enough for you to run and grab all your cookies, eat them, and then um, head back to your to your home so you can eat the rest of them. <laughs> so it should be really good. Um, we do have a new call for art up finally. Finally. took me long enough. Uh, but it is super fun. You guys should go check it out. It is on the blog. It's lightgrayartlab.com slash blog. And it's called The Robo Show. So... We are looking for artists that are interested in creating their own concepts of the ultimate mechs, uh, bionics, cybernetics, like all sorts of things like mobile suits. uh, And we listed a bunch of fun details about that, too. So it's all original robots. So if you want to look at the call for art, go on there, take a peek. And the call for art is only up for two weeks. It's a little short call for art. So in order to participate, all you have to do is scroll all all the way down to the bottom Put your name, your email, and a link to wherever your artwork is on the internet, and we'll be curating and 
talking to all the participating artists about the final details on December 21st. So you'll know right before holiday times. Um, so, oh, I'm so excited. But that's for our February show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be yeah. really cool. I'm really excited. There's a bunch of people that have put their names in there already, and I'm really excited about that. Finally, make sure to check the holiday hours. If you are a local person or you're planning on stopping by or you just happen to be in town for some reason, um, we do have some funny hours. Uh, you know, we're traveling. We've got a couple fun things coming up here that we're all going to be out and about. Uh, so I believe that on the Facebook page and also on the events page, you can see exactly when we're going to be here. So if you're picking up decks or prints or just wanting to stop by and say hi, um, definitely check those out. But we do have a pop-up shop going on right now from past artwork. So a lot of the mm-hmm. skater die decks are up. Um, there's tons of patches from patches and stitches. There's even beautiful forever tattoos, art books, all sorts of stuff. So if you're doing your last minute like holiday shopping, uh, you could definitely come and support some art and pick up some cool stuff. So, yeah. So speaking of all these crazy things, Chris and I were talking about collections in the car because we felt like it was a fitting topic for today. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and Francesca, I remember talking with you slightly about this the other day, too. So I wanted to, really quick, uh, since we're all in this show, talk a little bit about our personal collections and the way that we feel about amassing collections of stuff just generally, but then I was going to ask you guys kind of what your concept of the longevity of a collection is. I want to talk about museums. I want to talk about like, like sustaining a collection, carrying it around with you forever. What happens when somebody like passes on and that collection goes somewhere else? So I will start by just asking Francesca, can you tell us about your piece in the Bowerbird show? and sure. the things you tend to collect? Sure. I actually originally did, I did four different pieces, and then the last one was the best one. Why was it the and best one? they were, because I felt, I felt the most connected to it as a collection. The first couple of ones that I did were actually all physical objects. I like physical things, but they, they didn't really feel like collections. Like, I like individual pieces for sentimental or practical reasons but I don't find the need to have more than a couple of them usually in fact I have since moving I, I got rid of a bunch of collections that I have what about your and one piece action figures I did actually oh it's what? so sad not all of them okay but I got rid of a lot of them a lot, a <laughs> I lot of I didn't even them. know you had those <laughs> it's one of the secret that, yes. collections yeah I did yeah no I I mean I don't I don't like having that much stuff and the older I get, the less stuff I like to have. But what I ended up settling on doing was podcasts because, and I, you know, the funny thing is, it's not even like I keep all of my podcasts. I that collection continues to change with time. There's podcasts that I used to listen to like religiously, and I don't at all anymore. But they're replaced by other ones. But there's always like every day I can always look at my like lineup and pick something that I want to listen to and I never really thought of it as a collection until I I was scrolling through and like oh there's a bunch of these are all different I've curated this I've hand chosen each one of these and I was like that's a collection so that's what I did that's really interesting we're gonna come back to that too because yours seems like a very timely like in the moment collection of stuff yeah it's like a curated almost every day like every day I look at it I'm like do I even like this one anymore yeah so, so Jenny, you've mm-hmm. got a collection. What did you do for the Bowerbird show, and how would you? How do you think about collections? So, I did my collection of house plants, um, which I have a lot of, and not even all of them are on the postcard. Um, but it's funny. I also don't like lots of objects, and it bothers me to have a lot of things. But at least house plants are like nice and comforting and provide oxygen. <laughs> so at functional. Least, at least it's functional. Um, but it's funny, almost all of the plants that I have were gifted, which I think is what happens with collections. Like I got some as wedding gifts, some as like birthday gifts, some were inherited from my sister who can't keep plants and other things like that. And so once you get a significant amount, people start giving them to you more, which is great. And so now I have a bunch of clippings from like my mom's collection of plants and things like that. So it keeps getting bigger and bigger. Um, I just, I can't keep more than what I have now though, because I don't have a lot of 
uh, light coming in and I don't have that much window space. So it is tricky and I'm constantly moving them around. But it's funny because, yeah, I feel like it's a collection that just sort of happened. I was going to say it's funny because plants are not just a collection, but they're also you have to maintain them. Yeah. And so yep. that's interesting because of all the things that you have that are collections, mm-hmm. if, if that that's the one you actually have to go and you have to water, you have to make yeah. sure that you pick all the dead leaves off and you have to just watch them. You can't just like let them sit on a shelf because right. then we know what happens. Right. Yeah. So, but it's interesting because yours is a, is a maintaining. A living. A, yeah. Yeah. A living collection. And then, so Chris, what did you do? And I, what do you think about collections? Uh, I did a bunch of dice and they're all arranged in a chromatic, beautiful arrangement. Um, and I just pulled them out of all my different games and RPG dice and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I was going to do a few different things, but then I kind of settled on that. Um, I don't know. I just really like them. I feel like Lindsay also likes, like she might not want to play the game, but she wants to see the dice because they are translucent or they are little beautiful gems. So I just, I really like dice in just in the act of rolling them. I prefer games usually that have dice. Um, so I just did that and I have a bunch of collections, I guess, but these days my collections are getting more and more ethereal. Like I used to have a giant music collection, but that's all in my computer now. And I used to have a big video game collection and that's all mostly digital these days and things like that. So there's still a box of giant belt buckles floating around. Is there? I thought I got rid of it. Oh, I don't know. I used to also collect belt buckles and cowboy shirts and all sorts of stuff, but I... I guess I also, um, I only like having certain things around, so. But you have a lot of those things that yeah. you have. Mm-hmm. Like board games. That's how collections work, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's funny. So I did a collection of antique books. Um, I am a huge fan of, like, vintage and antique stuff. Just about anything. Objects, any kind of object at people. all. I like old people also. <laughs> I like old things and old people. And anything that's got history in it. And I find it really interesting. And it might come from my interest in product design slightly. And it might come from the fact that it's old and it's kind of something you don't see very often. But I tend to collect things that have previous owners. And I like thinking about that. And I also like thinking about the processes that these things were made in in a time when I wasn't alive. And so it's funny because the things themselves are really great. But then there's so many things that I think of when I collect these old books or these old like objects that are, it's more than just the thing that I have. So on my postcard, I have just, I think, four or five or six books that are on there. And I've listed them on the back of the postcard. But my collection of vintage books is not that big. I think I only have like 12 which unless you count all the sci-fi ones oh yeah yeah that i have like thousands for some reason but i mean but those specific books okay so and all the books that i show in the postcard are all like scientific books or anthropological books or like somebody's trek through cashmere or something like that from the you know early 1900s so it's it's really time specific and some of the content isn't accurate and it's it's just a very specific timestamp of whatever that person was living or learning or observing at that moment. And I really like it for that timestamp thing. I have a lot of other random stuff like crystals and, you know, like cats and, you know, stuff like that, you know. And there's like stuff that I just have. But I think the, the vintage stuff is stuff that I think about on a couple different levels. So it's funny because I think all of us, in you know in our conversations have different reasons that we collect things like francesca's yours yours is very like in the moment jenny yours is something you have to maintain and look after chris Mm -hmm. yours is i don't even know what fun times recreational yeah Yeah. recreational Mm -hmm. and mine is like a weird history lesson and so (laughs) and I, i was thinking about that because i'm not sure why collections are so important just in general, but we did have a podcast a while ago where we talked about how your interests bring other people that like the same stuff to you. And I didn't really want to talk about that as much on the podcast today as I wanted to talk about the concept of how time changes your perception of what you take in. And Mm -hmm. also like your collection today 
what, like, where does it go after you're done with it? So mm-hmm. I'll, I guess I'll start there. So this last Thanksgiving, Chris and I drove all the way down to Madison and we had like kind of taco Thanksgiving with his family. And part of like that experience was all the brothers and sisters and the kids and everybody came and sat in the living room of Chris's brother's house and went through like eight huge Tupperware containers full of photos. photos. And it was all old family photos back all the way through what your, your great grandparents. Yeah, probably. I mean, there was not a lot from back then, but the oldest ones probably were of my grandpa's father, maybe. I mean, photos didn't exist a super long time ago, but they're probably like around. Somebody was driving like a Model T. So where did these photos come from, just in general? Can you kind of tell, like, why do you have so many and why were they well, all Well, my there? mom is a collector of memories and she takes a million photographs. So maybe that's where I get it from. But um, she takes a billion photos. And um, so I think we probably went through about 10,000 maybe or something like but, that. So can you describe like, I'll describe it for you. Each one of these photos is meticulously cataloged. On the back of each photo is listed every human being, pet, or object, or whatever the context was. Or maybe the event. The event, and the their year. Age. They're, they're in order. A lot of times their age, yeah. 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 My, my parents do that. The, like, it's every single thing is on the back. And it's funny because, you know, if, if I go to like a vintage, like a resale shop, and they've got a pile of somebody's family photos, I love the ones that have notes on the back. Because you're like, wow, context, you know? But it's funny because you guys were sitting there. And so the what was the what was the point of the meetup? It was to divvy up and... To get rid of the photos. <laughs> I think my mom was sick of carrying them around. So she wanted to make sure that we got our shot at them. So we got to go through them. And basically, we would take what we wanted. And then the rest of them uh, would are tossed. They're gone. That gives me anxiety. <laughs> it gave me anxiety when you guys were doing it because I was sitting there watching you guys like flip through all these photos and tossing them like you'd grab the ones that were meaningful and then you would toss some other ones in a giant box to just be thrown in the garbage, you yeah. know? How come it's easy for you to do that as a person who knows who's in the photos, who knows like what that is? How come you think it's easy to kind of go through and narrow down? Well, it wasn't that easy, but at the same time, nobody wants eight giant Tupperwares of, like, these are not, why, not like, though? small Tupperwares. These are massive. Well, because who has the space for that? Yeah, I and also, know. do you think you would ever go back and look at all of them again? Yeah, you would never. I, I mean, at this point, there, there are so many that you couldn't look at even a fraction of them, unless if you take one hour. And, I mean, by the end of it, we were, like, taking them, like, a deck of cards and just being, like... And seeing if there was anything in there that we could see. Does that give yeah. any like either of you guys, Francesca no. or Jenny, anxiety about? I have, I have been in the place where it used it used to that used to bother me. But the thing about, and I feel this way about like all stuff, and I definitely felt this way when I was like packing to move. Like, because I did have some. There were some things where I was like, oh, "Do I? Can I really get rid of this?" And it's like, "Well, now is a good time." But the other thing I thought was like. Wherever I move to, like, it's like a brand new life. And if I want to have anything else in my life, I have to get rid of something. Like, I can't, for instance, looking through photos, that's a fun activity, but that is going, that's time that is going to be spent not doing something else that I might want to do. So, but what about like your kids or, you know, if, if like, I don't know if I'm going to have kids. If you, if you had a, if you had like a, like, what about your cats? If you you need to show your cats at some point and you're like, this is what high school was like. This is what my life was like. I don't know. I mean, I've had a very similar experience of looking through photos like this. And we actually did that every time I've had like a great grandparent pass away. We've done the same thing where we've gone through all their photos and like, Sorted them. And I actually really like the super old photos because they're so charming and like the houses look different. There's like giant pattern wallpaper and stuff and they're really awesome to look at. So like I have some of them. I scanned them a long time ago, the ones I really liked and I have them on like a hard drive. But then like I don't know where the physical ones are. But like my mom has giant tubs of each of us but like i don't know how many of those photos are actually good photos right well that's what i was going to say how how i justify it or rectify it or whatever how i feel about it is when i go on a trip 
I might take 5,000 pictures. <laughs> yeah. And out of those 5,000 pictures, I, a hundred of them might be worth something. And out of those hundred of them, three of them probably are really good where they will sum up what's really important. So mm-hmm. a lot of it is just kind of, and what my mom did is she would take an entire roll of film. She would print it out in, in doubles. You know, you could used to be able to yeah. do doubles yeah. or whatever. She'd print yeah. it out with doubles and then, and then they'd either get filed into picture or like picture books until we were a certain age. And then they just get filed into these tubs after that. Um, so it was just like every photo from a roll, zero editing, just yeah. everything. But the funny thing about having a roll of film is you curated that roll of film more than you would if you had a digital camera. That's true. And you're just, I mean, you wouldn't have taken 5,000 pictures because that would have been expensive. So when I'm thinking about like what happened to Jenny's family photos well, from my great grandparents, probably have them. I but, was thinking yeah. like I would, uh, if it was between having like a hard drive full of photos or having physical ones in my house, I would take the physical ones a billion times over a, a I probably would too. flash drive yeah, or something like that. Right. Of like, whatever. I mean, that's the thing. Like, how often do you take your photos to go get printed these days? Yeah, like, well, it, is- it was interesting because the level of curation. And this is why, well, looking back to the Model T days or whatever, those photos, I mean, there was a tiny handful of those. Yeah. yeah. And, and then when beautiful. it was the 50s, there was a, you know, an okay handful. And then the 70s, there was a big handful. And then the 80s, there's a massive handful. And then the 90s, there was a infinite handful. And it's just like a glot. Yeah. And it's like. But you keep the older ones, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. But the older ones are a tiny fraction where I'm trying to pare down the new ones to be that summation of this era where i was like this is all you need to look like i mean it's kind of like when i do try and show like somebody who's not intimately familiar with me photos of iceland or whatever and i have my gallery that i is 600 and then i have like the top 50 because no one is going to sit there and look at 600 and like at that point i might as well not have done it because no one wants to look at it so if i compare it down to a curated collection of the things that are essential to this thing or whatever, then people will be interested. But yeah, other than so, that, and like, I think that there's a point I, where it's static and you need right. to like focus it. To and I mean, be I think a picture kids of something. photos are like valuable and stuff. Like there's photos that I can like picture off of the, off the top of my head that I've seen a bunch of times through looking through photos or they're the ones that like stand out. And those are the ones that I would keep if I had physical photos, photos in the nineties and two thousands. And even now, like they're not, interesting looking they're not like it's just because you yeah well this is what i was gonna ask i think time is interesting because when i'm sitting there looking at old photos and old stuff like i'll go into an antique Mm -hmm. store and i'll pick up a pyrex dish and i am like this is charming and i'm looking at a time that at some point it was too close it was too close to think it was charming because it was like five years old then 10 years old then 15 years old, and people were like, ew, these people still have this thing around. And then somebody kept it longer, and then longer than that. And all of a sudden, I'm showing up 70 years later, and I'm looking at a Pyrex dish, and I'm like, well, wow, this is made in such a way that you you can't even get this anymore. Everything we have is plastic and disposable, and, mm-hmm. and, like, and of course, I get to see it on a different level because I make this stuff all the time, you know, making your iPhone cases, and then it's just going to go in a pile somewhere when you change phones. Like, you think about that, and you're like, I wonder if the fact that we have a billion photos and we have a billion disposable random pieces of trash mm-hmm. floating around as our products, whether or not that has the same appeal as a handful of tiny, tiny photos from an era where you couldn't get that much. Or like flower sack, like dish towels or quilts made, no, but you know, I, in like I the, see, you know what I'm saying? I see what you're saying, but I also feel like a big part of it too is personal value. So like that Pyrex dish, like I have some of those, I still have some of those that were passed on from my grandma to my mom to me. And the reason that I have it was because when I went to college, I needed something to cook in. And the reason that I still have it is because it's lasted and it's sturdy and I still need it. And I have some sentimental value to it, but it also has this practical or personal value to it. See, and that's interesting because I think probably at least two of us, and I'm going to say Francesca and Jenny, and Chris, I'm not sure about you, and maybe I'll ask you in a second, but at least two of us, I think, have a more 
practical approach to, is this usable right now? Do I need this thing? Is it going to take up life space? And mm-hmm. if, if so, and I don't need it, I'm going to trash it or get rid of it or give it away or yeah. something like that. And what's funny about, I think the way that I do stuff and yeah. And Chris, you'll have to tell me what you think. There are like, there's, there's like a role that I have adopted to save these things from being obsolete. I'm the savior of weird garbage. Like when that one guy was going to get rid of all of those sci-fi books. And I thought to myself, holy crap, somebody has amassed this into, it's like a museum worthy collection. It is so many of them and so complete a collection that it made me feel like, oh my God, if I don't do something about this, no one is going to save these things from like the thrift store or like savers or something like that, where people won't appreciate what this really is, or they'll break it up and it'll go, you know, it'll fly away to the far corners of the earth. So I have a question about that in our basement. Yeah, it's all in the basement. (laughs) Yeah, but but, I mean, I have a question about this too. Like when people donate something to a museum, because like they could enjoy it at their house, like if they have an ancient mask or something, yeah, they Mm -hmm. could enjoy it there. But they see like the greater good it could enjoy it at the museum as a collection. So it's better to yes. give it to the proper source. Yes. Right? If there mm-hmm. is a proper source. So there was a story a long time ago about a guy who had the world's biggest record collection. And it's funny because I think this story, it was in the early 2000s or um, it was a long time ago and you probably find it somewhere. But it was it was long enough ago that I think records were people were considering them obsolete. And now, of course, is a revival for records. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, he was like 90 years old or 80 years old, and he had built this special place where he had thousands, thousands, thousands of records. And people were asking him, they're like, it costs you money to heat this building, to keep these things up. You have to catalog them. People give you stuff. You have so much time and effort into maintaining this collection and you're a million years old. What are you going to do if you can't either can't afford to keep this thing around anymore or whatever? And it was funny because you watch this person who spent their whole entire life putting together like the best collection. And then you think about it and you're like, you really hope that somebody doesn't take it apart. You hope it moves into a place where people could appreciate what it is. And even if it's like a weird, really specific collection, there's somebody somewhere on a forum sitting there wishing that that existed in the world and somebody has somehow put it together into a pile. I was yeah. going to say, I feel like a lot of people probably like you want to save it, but they kind of want somebody else to have the collection of permanence. And then you could like if you found somebody who had a science fiction book museum and they're like, I'll take those off your hand and put them in the permanent archive, you'd probably give it to them. Probably. Right. And so I, guess- I think more people want to save it, and maybe they don't want it for themselves, but they just don't like the fact that it's going to disappear forever. Right. Yeah. And and that's, I feel like that, I totally agree with that. I think that, for one thing, the person, it is, it's good of them. It's probably really important to them to do this, and they have devoted a massive chunk of their life to something like this because it's it's that important to them. And I am grateful for those people because I don't want to keep that stuff in my place. But <laughs> but I do love I I really like going to museums and looking at old objects and and I like going antique shopping. Um you know and thank and goodness people do that. Like when you do walk and you look at the old armor that people have, you know, or like right. if you look at what is that house on the rock where you don't even know what that is. It's like weird right. collections but, of random stuff. But you the know? thing about that is, is those people, like for instance, with his record collection, I don't, I don't know the story. I should look it up, but he does have to take care of it. Like he, he has does. to maintain it. He has, to, it. He has it. to make sure it's okay. It is it still functional? Like, and when you're dealing with, I'm sure it's really interesting when uh, people are taking care of fragile things that need specific, like you say, specific temperatures, specific mm-hmm. humidity. Like, like it's a part of their life life to really take care of this stuff and i think that's awesome i'm glad there are people that do that because i don't have time there is so here's another thing that we had a conversation last night with um so uh becca olean works with us uh and her current love man (laughs) what he's gonna like boyfriend i don't know (laughs) (laughs) his name is josh her friend josh yeah her friend boyfriend josh was talking about this old house that he lives in and how it just got renovated and it's funny i was watching a documentary on the downton abbey house and Mm -hmm. 
it costs the the real family that lives there a crap ton of money to keep that thing renovated and they were yeah. discussing the herculean effort that it takes to make sure it doesn't fall apart mm-hmm. it costs so much to make sure that that house stands and let alone st- stands in good shape um that they've turned it into a business now because there's no other way. You can't have it as a place that a random family lives in because it's too big and too expensive to do. So all of a sudden they've turned it into just a place to visit, you know, and thank goodness for the TV show because then people actually want to go visit it. But it's funny because it does change what it is. Mm -hmm. It changes what it is if you have to renovate and make it accessible to visitors and whatever and, you know, rope it off and all that kind of stuff. But I was thinking about that and I'm like, when your collection is saving a moment in time mm-hmm. like that, where you're like, I guess there's like, you know, artifacts that people have paid or like handed down over generations yeah. that, that fill the rooms. Yeah. You know? Well, that's you know? kind of like your, we have that, uh, once there were castles book. Yeah. And in Minneapolis, it used to have all these humongous Downton Abbey style mansions, um, all over the place. And there's a book that collects them all and it collects photos and kind of the history of them. Uh, But if you left them all standing, then you would have a ton of work, like keeping them all up. But then also Minneapolis wouldn't have been able to grow in the way that it did. Mm -hmm. No, but I understand they're gone. I know, but you keep a few of them. So you're like, here's what was like the Swedish Institute and stuff like that and the James J. Hill House and all these places exist and, you know, as the keepsake. But if you kept all those mansions, then you wouldn't really care about any of them because they'd be all over and you'd be like, how come I can't get my bubble tea? There's a mansion here. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a funny thing. When you go down, we have a, in St. Paul, there's a street called Summit Avenue and that's where most of them still stand. And they're, they're kind of, peppered all over the place they're all around this neighborhood too but yeah Yeah. they're actually right over here by the minneapolis college of art and design like down there like the women's institute and they're all used for like now events and they all usually are used as like money making things and not yeah yeah, just some businesses in there like a something is in there but or like a club yeah or something and but summit avenue when you when you drive down that there is a very distinct feeling that you have i mean it is really fun to look at the stuff that just doesn't exist anywhere else. And so instead of having one random house in the middle of like a bunch of apartment buildings, which is kind of sad, mm-hmm. I mean, it has to be, but you know, Swedish Institute is in the middle of a okay street with a bunch but of crappy cool, places though. around it. It's amazing. It's a castle in the middle and, of the city. And, and it's cool that it's there because it is, it's surrounding area needs it. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's, it's nice that there is a, place to go there that is like that there's a there's a museum there and it's not with the rest of the context of the time like when you go down you you go down yeah but like a museum isn't the context of the time the basement of your sci-fi books isn't the context of the time i mean no there's a point where the context is gone and that's why we keep things and catalog things but But you you can't keep the entire context right because time marches on yep (laughs) time marches on boy does it ever (laughs) That's all I've been thinking about. <laughs> like, I'm so old. But I think it is really interesting when somebody can keep it all together or at least provides you, like, enough information that even if you don't fully understand what you're looking at, you kind of get it a little bit. And that's why it's funny when we're talking with, you know, each one of us has a different reason why a collection is even important. And some of it is so personal. And other ones is, like, functional. And other ones mm-hmm. are for entertainment i don't look at those books all the time in fact i freak out if i open them and they make a noise you know like if i crack the spine by accident yeah or if there's pages stuck together i'm like i'm wrecking this by touching this thing you know like there are things like that where you just don't know i view my collection as and i think this is the way obviously francesca was talking about her collection it's like an evolving thing and i try to make sure that there's very few games that I have that are like there for, um, I don't know what's the word, just like historical value. It's like, am I have I played this? Am I going to play it? If not, right, it's I'm going to cycle it out. Yeah. yeah, get something else that I will. Yeah. So it's like not, this is not a 
uh, it's not a museum collection. It is more just like a cafe collection where it's like constantly rotating. And so and here's a question about your cafe collection. How many board games do you think you actually have? I don't know, like a hundred and something. hundred and what? 30 or something. Okay. If you played one every day, mm-hmm. it'd take you what? You could play, you could play it three times a year. Mm-hmm. Does that, when Although does it get usually to the point? when we sit and play a board game, we end up playing, you know, three or four. Like right. Three or four. So I'm just going to, just for the sake of illustrating this uh-huh. question, when does it get ridiculous than that you have so many of a thing? What, at what point do you decide that you haven't played it enough? Because if you've got 130 board games. I don't think it matters that I haven't played it enough. It's if I want to and I... And if I, if it's something that I want to do, then I think it's worth having. It's kind of like... Even if you can only play it three times a year. Yeah, that's plenty. I mean, a board game isn't something that you... It's not like a shoe where you wear it every day. Mm -hmm. It's... And there's some people who do like to play games, like the same game all the time. Like me. Like you. But for other people, like me, it's something where... Uh, it's kind of like going out to eat and it's like, today I want to go here and today I want to go here. If I had to do the same thing every day, then that would, then I would just not even bother. Then I would become like a rote task. So does anybody else get overwhelmed and maybe slightly upset when they, when they enter a library? (laughs) Cause I, I feel like this, no, like I, I, okay. I love the library. I actually go pretty frequently, but I always get a tinge of this feeling like I'm not, not reading enough whenever I enter. And it's not. I don't want to say it's guilt necessarily. It's more of like it's sadness for lack of time. And it's like the Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> I don't think that I, know guy, that one. I can read yeah, all the books. Yeah, and he's he like everyone on the world is gone, and then he's like, now I can finally read all the books. And then oh, he's, yeah, yeah he one. breaks his glasses, and, and then, then he's, he's like, like no. <laughs> but and then you could just be like, just hold the book farther away. I mean, you're, when you're talking your about eye. your board game collection, I think of my personal the books that I have, my personal, I guess, book collection. And that was another thing that I got rid of a lot of when I moved. And then I very recently finally got a bookshelf and putting all my books on my bookshelf, I looked at them and I was like, I love all these books. I hope that I live long enough to read them again. And like, it made me really upset that I, I had these things that I might not be able to fully enjoy. Interesting because there's two, two things I think about books. When you walk into somebody's house and you look at their bookshelf, half of those books are on there. This is my opinion, so you're going to have to tell me if you agree with this. Half of those books are on there because you're proud that you read them (laughs) and you are like, this is a book I like. And just reading the titles and going into somebody's bookshelf and being like, what's this person about? And you can kind of look at all their stuff. You're like, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't know how many people read the same books a couple times. There are there are oh, just I only do. three or four books that I have that I've read more than once, and I and I've read them a lot. Like mm-hmm. it, they're like kind of those ones, like like Mossflower, Redwall, like <laughs> like they're middle school books that I've read on planes again and again, like every couple of years. Mm-hmm. But I think that's the funny thing about books is that sometimes it's decor, as much as it yeah. is like a functional I mean, item. Yeah. I guess a Mine's book is not. Oh, well, I don't know. It's not at all. I try, if I have a book that I really like, I try to pass it along. Like that, and then you'll know it's actually a book that I super like, because then I'll give it to whoever. Um, But I do think they are pretty decorative. I was actually. You want to like wistfully look at it and touch the spine. That's what I do. I touch the spine (laughs) and then I go, oh, I'm wrecking it. Yeah. My oil's on my hands. Yeah, that's hard. I was actually thinking when you were talking about mansions a second ago. So. Jenny collects mansions. No, I wish. My <laughs> so my grandparents are in the process of moving right now and they've had this same house for like several generations. It's in Atchison, Kansas, which is where like Amelia Earhart's from and it is all the houses there are pretty much mansions. They're like beautiful old Victorian houses and all the wallpaper is like giant damask like velvet wallpaper and it's um, the most amazing house Whoa. I've ever been in. And it, they're selling it for less than my house is now. It's so cheap and so ridiculously cheap, but there's nothing really there. You could probably open a bed and breakfast. But I keep thinking like if I was in a different point in my life and I didn't care about like living in the city or 
wanted to live in Kansas for some reason, like I would buy it, but it's on the market right now. And so it's really hard when I'm like, do I preserve this thing that's been in my family since like the 20s or the early 1900s or something? Or do you just like let it go to whoever? And it's tricky. And like, I've actually had several sets of grandparents that have worked at like my grandma used to work at the Amelia Earhart house or um, my grandma in Kansas City worked at one of the houses that was there and like gave tours and helped preserve it and stuff. And it is a lot of work to keep something I'm sure like it's a ton of work in it's, its like original state. Yeah. Yeah. Even when I was in um, Ireland, I stayed at this castle that was bought by these people. And in the seventies, they painted it horrible colors See, that's and replaced all the stuff when like Victorian style wasn't interesting enough for them. yeah yeah and they replaced all the stuff and then now the family's trying to restore it to like what it originally was so it's, but it's taking him a long time this is also another thing too so my dad's name is victor and he and his his grand or his dad his grandpa his grandpa's 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 forever and ever and ever they've all been named victor when and i'm thinking about this house it's been in your generations for years yeah. <laughs> when he when he had kids, he had me and he had my sister. And then the the line of victors stopped. Did he not try and have a boy then so that he could name him Victor? No, but do you, when you think about that sometimes, some people are like, this is the way it's going to be. This is my family thing that we do. And even if it's a horrible name, like I, I like the name Victor, so that's not a horrible name. Then that is funny because there's like a there's like a pressure that comes with this thing that your family's done for like a billion years. They did name my sister Victoria, so that's <laughs> that's pretty close. That's pretty close. And then and so, but the name Victor Knoll has been in the family forever. We can the, name our next cat Victor Knoll. Oh, okay, <laughs> I'll be like I shall. But see, that's the thing. Wouldn't it be up to Victoria then to name her cat Victor Knoll? Or you, named it card you should game get her Victor a cat. I did name a card name, a card game, Victor Noel. But that's true. But when you think about it, yeah, you're you're like, what do you do then? Because that's a pressure. So the other thing is, back in the day when my parents were selling their business, my dad took over his dad's business, and it was a um, they make fiberglass pieces for insides of electrical boxes, which does not sound fun. And there was another moment where they were like, what's going to happen now? This has been in the family for years. And you think about like every every time a generation has been, you know, some kids are born and then their parents are like, now it's your time to take over the family business. And the kid goes, I don't know if I want to make pieces of the insides of, you know, like electrical boxes. I think mm-hmm. I'd rather do some artwork, you know. And you think about that and you're like, is it your duty to carry on this thing yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. Like, if you're like, this is the way we've done it for 50 years, so we should continue doing it that way. Or if you're like, new traditions are fine too, and you could start a new one. Any what do you day. think? I don't know. I think it's a nice combo. I think following in the footsteps of your parents is kind of like a held over. It's almost like a caste system thing where if you were a shoe shiner, then you would be, or if you were a blacksmith, then you would just grow up being a blacksmith or whatever. And I think that it's kind of outdated today. Yeah. But what about I, all the I, people I, whose parents are graphic designers, and so they are now too? And then, but then there's a million know, people I who aren't. I mean, I think yeah. that's a different. My parents yeah. were not in the arts at all. And would same. you feel pressured if somebody handed you a family thing that wasn't an object to to I, keep it on? I have been had many a conversation with my grandmother, who wants to. She wants certain properties to be taken over by myself and the other grandkids and i repeatedly refuse because yes she's like it would mean a lot to me if you take this house and then you're like yeah i'm not into this house yep then she's like at least you're honest a million dollars she's (laughs) like i'd like (laughs) to sell you this house francesca (laughs) well that's the funny thing it's like like and this is kind of why it actually probably helped me feel the way that i do about stuff and collections is before having that kind of experience, I might have thought differently, but having been put in that situation and thinking about it, I was like, do I, is this what I want? Like, is it, is it right to give somebody, be like, here, you have to carry on my, my burden? 
that I have that I don't actually care about that much, but I kind of want you to carry it on because it's been carried on. Like that seems like I wouldn't do that to somebody. No, but there is something interesting about thinking like I remember sitting in the car with you and you telling me someday you would move back to Ironwood. Mm -hmm. I did. And I and I remember that because I, I remember thinking like. Like, oh, that's interesting. There must be something there that has a, like some sort of gravity for you because and, and you think about it and you're like, what is it about this? Is it the nostalgia that brings me back here? Is it the fact that my family has, you know, like settled here? It's every like some of Chris's family has, has gone back to Madison. Right. After and years I, and years, you know, I would do yeah. that. Like I, I've. But why is it because, a, you know, because what I mean? my family's there and I would like to spend time with them. Like that's, it's not really. So you would carry on the ironwood tradition. But it wouldn't be because of tradition though. And there isn't really that much of a tradition. Like my family's lived there for, I mean, my parents both. So if they went somewhere else, if they moved to Chicago, you'd, you'd go to Chicago. I would consider it. Yeah. But would you consider it as hard as you might consider consider it harder? Because it's much more expensive. Well, Um, you might consider it harder because you might rather move to a city than a. Ironwood. Oh yeah, totally. Or at this point in my life, I would a little town. I would rather, but so it's not really the place; it's the family. Yeah, no, it's the family because okay. like the the place, like it, there's things that are nice about it, but that that town has changed so much since I've been there. Even yeah, mm-hmm. that's almost like totally different. Yes, it is, and like I have good memories of it and the house that my parents live in and. Um, a lot of the stuff and I still like it has a special place in my heart and that part of the country will always be you know be well, special this, to me but that's why I asked because I was I was thinking about it so Jenny's husband Pat's family mm-hmm. has roots here mm-hmm. and I was thinking about that because I was like there are some people that they're like this is my home this is where my family's from these are the things my parents have touched and my grandparents have touched and it, I can walk down the street and I could be like my grandpa lived here my uncle you know, built that. That's a thing that we have a part of this and that and that. And you're walking around and you're like, if you didn't stay there, no one would be there to remember the things that don't have any kind of physical connection. So you're actually carrying that sort of like history lesson forward to whoever. Cause if you upped and moved somewhere else and you're, you know, mm-hmm. y- you wouldn't watch the change. You wouldn't be mm-hmm. able to say, Oh, that used to be. And that's the funny thing about like, we've been in this neighborhood for a very long time and we know exactly what buildings we are used those to be old what. People now who are like that used to be the chicken shack. We do that. <laughs> we say, oh, well, the chicken shack, and you used to throw burning mattresses out of the top part, and it was so fun. And you would like, you know, you would think about stuff like that, and you're like, nobody would be able to tell you that. Like when I sit mm-hmm. there and tell my students, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, over there, that's the toxic lock that has a bunch of poison in it. Yeah. You know, that's the I mean, chicken people shack. People used to come in here too and be like, oh, I used to work here in this decade and yeah. whatever used to be here. And yeah, well, it is funny because you never see the like past life in the place. Right. And yeah. until yeah. somebody shows up and tells you, you, can, you can't even envision it or you can't understand like the human connection or like the, the their collection of memories becomes your weird combination of stuff and that's why i was asking you know because i was like chris would you ever move back to madison um i would consider it i don't know but not just to carry on family family memories i mean it's a fine city so i would be okay with moving back there but if i did it would be because of my family yeah and i mean my brother has children and my sister has children and it, it makes it easier to be next to grandparents and things like that to, right. to have somebody to fall back onto. Yeah, that totally makes sense. We had a conversation about home and what makes a home. If too. we were there, then someone could watch our dogs and things when we go to Iceland, so that would be easier. <laughs> we like, here you go. Yeah. And so, but it is really interesting because some of those collections are not a physical kind. I tend to forget I mean, would almost you everything. Move back to your, your childhood no? hometown. Heck no. That are you talking about well, nobody's there you for you anymore. About... Nobody's there. Oh yeah. Nobody's well, there's there. a bunch right. of there's a bunch of high school friends, but but what about but but there still is the memories, the tradition, the knowledge of this place before when you used to live there. Kind of. So I lived out in the middle of nowhere, so I could be like, "There's that tree that I sat under once," <laughs> or if somebody might have cut it down or it fell over or something like that. I mean, I feel like there's very little that I would. You know, when I was thinking of the collection. Yeah. For this project, most yeah. of my first ideas were not physical. Really? What were your ideas? 
Well, I was going to do kind of like a recap of all the injuries I've had in my life. Oh, yeah. And then um, somebody, somebody actually, else. Yeah. Yeah, it was actually somebody. It was local artist John Bivens, who was at game night, and he told Jenny what he was going to do. And I heard I was sitting at a different table, and then I was like, uh-oh. And I, I looked over at Chris because he had already told me that was his idea. And yeah. I was like, oh, no. And I was like, uh, It's good no. that you heard it, though, because that would have been nice um, to... I don't remember. That, that was the one that I was most set on. But a lot of the things, because I... I have collections, but they're not like. You have a tattoo that, collection. They're not. Yeah, I was going to say, and that's a very timely collection because there was a point where I started getting tattoos and then I got some and then I just stopped. Well, yeah. And some people continue, but I was, I just, I didn't have the time and then I never went back. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so a lot of the collections though, like I have collections and like there's probably an interesting way to be like, here's my top playstation one collection you know or something like that but for the most part they're just kind of like media so they're not that interesting inherently they're not filled with stories and things like that so i was trying to think of things that were and since i don't keep a lot of stuff unless if it is like either for work or entertainment then i don't have like just a bunch of objects. just a bunch of objects that are special in some way usually i kind of get rid of stuff or whatever so mm-hmm. I was trying to think of that. And then when I came across the dice, I was like, you know, I connected dice. They're really beautiful. They're kind of like special in their own way. And every, every game, it's like cool to open a thing and be like, what dice are inside? Yeah. Well, the, so I have, I have one of the last questions I have for you guys is kind of related to that. So I'm sure there are other people that have board game collections. I'm sure there's other people that have plant collections. I'm sure there's other people that have podcast collections and book collections and all the stuff that we decided to do for Jenny's us. Jenny's always yeah. really excited when she, so she finds out another plant collector. <laughs> you're like, like oh, yeah. you have plants. spirits. Yeah. Too. But you think about that and you're like. You have a fern? <laughs> <laughs> Ferns are the best. Ferns are funny. So, and you, if you walk around the Bowerbird collection, I'm surprised at... There are nuances of things that are connected to each other across the room. And you'd be mm-hmm. like, oh, that person likes the same thing that this person likes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that like like animal objects, cabinet of curiosity type stuff. A lot mm-hmm. of people that like... Yarn um, and tea and yeah. things like that. And yeah. I mean, and I think that's normal. I mean, that's yeah. a funny thing. There are some things that like, of course you have a giant. If you like tea, you're probably going to have a big cabinet full of tea. Of course you would. Mm-hmm. wouldn't you mm-hmm. you know or like if you drink coffee you probably have a bunch of mugs you know yep. like there are these things that just happen just naturally how come you think that just in general do you think people have private collections of stuff that they would just don't want to like like everything else that you have is like yeah a normal i think people thing. i know people who have like notes from high school collections things I like have that, that. mm-hmm which we didn't get a lot of in this show. No, but how do you even show that? That's the thing. You can't really understand. I don't know. I would. I mean, this was. This is not the format, but you should just put a book together and have all the notes in there. I'd be like, here's everything we like used to zine. say in eighth grade. Yeah, in high like it would be embarrassing, but it would be super embarrassing. Somebody did that. Somebody. There was one. I owned. A book I have. Yeah, we have a book notes. by somebody who did that, and it's really funny. It is really funny. Well, I mean, you never see like a full conversation like that ever. But but stuff like that, you can't really show that really in a postcard. I mean, I struggled with the book one because I was like, I don't know if people are going to understand how important this is to me uh, unless I show it as as I show it when I consume it, which is in a big pile. And I just sit there and flip through it with a you know glass of tea yeah. and with the on my desk. With a tweez- I, tweezers and a white glove. Like, mm. I had that problem too because like... Lindsay's got I a white actually, glove, but it's just actually a wad of cat hair. Yeah, I have a felt, felted glove. I oh, touch only the white and cats. And she's like, here, Jenny, you got something on your face. And then no, rubs it all no. in his face. And then Jenny's, Jenny's face oh, no. blows up. Yeah. Anyway, no. yes, Francesca. Sorry, Jenny. <laughs> or sorry, okay. Francesca. I was going to say I had that problem also because it... Because I did something that wasn't physical. And so I... I thought the exact same thing, which is how do I consume this collection? And that kind of became important, which I think kind of goes back to, for instance, Chris, if you were to do, you kind of did do your board games, but if you were to do your board games, like the games, you wouldn't necessarily That'd be difficult. a grid of your board games. You might, I don't you know. You might. I mean, that's the hard thing with the, like with the books or the games or the movies or the whatever, or the things like that. It's really specific titles that make it interesting because if you don't know and you just see a bunch of 
boxes, you're like, that's nice. Or if you see a bunch of nondescript books, you're like, who cares? But if you're like, these books are this, like when we were talking about curation and why you don't just have all the books, you have these books. Like if we went to Jenny's bookshelf and we looked at it, we'd be like, oh, I totally understand what's happening here. Mm -hmm. Or we looked at Chris's board game collection. There's like facets of it that you're like, oh, well, Chris hates these games because none of them are in here. Or like your podcasts. I'm sure if we looked at the the themes and the tones and like the people that are doing all your podcasts, you'd be like, well, Francesca's this kind of person because these are the ones. And I'm glad you put those on your your postcard for the Bowerbird one because I think you get so much more out of that when you're like, these specific things, like if Jenny only has blue crystals at home, yeah, you know, that's a very different kind of collection. Right. It's funny because when we were trying to figure this out, and I was talking to Francesca about this, like some of the collections I have, like I have plants and rocks and stuff like that. And I was like, man, this, this makes me seem really boring because all the things that I have seem cliche where you're like here's some rocks and here's some bones and but that's funny because you're plants. like why do people like bones rocks and plants and we all do yeah right and that's why i was like this is hard because i feel like this is something that is universal it's not unique to me but well, why do people like it you know what i mean it's, it's funny to see yeah. that there are some similarities across like 90 people you're yeah. gonna have people that like the same stuff i also right. think it's also a it's, pretty focused group of 90 people because they're right. all yeah patrons are of the gallery so the the postcard collection itself is a revealing of the the demographic and the era you know like if you if you had this postcard collection and 50 years from now you looked at it you'd be like oh yeah this was the time when these are these are the things people were into yes because it's gonna change and that's fascinating who would have done it like five years ago would have been nothing but beanie babies right (laughs) maybe like 20 years ago (laughs) Chris is like, don't be like, so just like got beanie into babies. these beanie babies. I, I just... was like, check out my pogs, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Oh god. But that's yeah. Oh, I mean, that makes pogs? sense. Oh, I hope someone did pogs. Nobody did. Nobody did pogs. Did oh, somebody do pogs? No. I didn't think so. I, but yeah, no, it totally makes sense. I'm sure. I'm sure. If you looked at like these five years from now, you probably would see some things where you're like, oh yeah, that's very definitely not a timeless collection. That's a like timely collection right you know mine is totally i and yeah I well yours I, is media it's it's instant stuff that's happening like week by week you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's it's exactly what it is it's and that's funny and that's why i think it's so great it's like when you walk into an antique shop and you see a thing and you're like this is a mark of this time at this moment this is like same like chris's tattoo collection that's a mark of time at that moment that he committed to that thing and that's where it's gonna stay you know mm-hmm. and i i like those concepts I don't know why I find that just so interesting. And then thank God that they can dig up somebody's like buried house in the middle of like a farm field in like, I don't even know where, like rural France and find artifacts of like like 200 years ago. Right. And that was actually when we were talking about kind of curating it down to a really focused collection of the important hits or things like that, or the kind of the important things, um, when it comes to actual archaeology uh, and anthropology, it's actually the things that we would never keep that really right. matter. Because we went to like Fort Snelling, which is a local army base that dates back to the long time ago. It's one. It's like the first um, military settlement in this area, er, like besides the East Coast or whatever. So it dates back hundreds of years, and they kind of excavated a building and found all like where the the people who swept swept all the things underneath the floorboards and like, stuff like that and they found yeah, like pins or like just weird things that they pieces. actually figured out a lot more about the actual culture of what happened back then than so you know, like, like yard, the buildings Jenny. and the paintings yeah, and all those things didn't really tell them that much because those are more like yeah decorative actually, and face forward yeah. and kind of things that is fascinating because i feel like if you gave someone the assignment like like if I had the assignment, Lindsay, of making a collection that I thought embodied your your daily life. Do you think you could do it? I I would do it, and I don't think I would draw those books necessarily. 
No, you know? would you I would, draw I some would cats? Pick objects that you, yeah, they're probably. But well, the you did that. Francesca did a painting. Was that for our wedding? It was for, it was it was for your wedding. Franche- yeah. It was Lindsay and I. That was really impressive. And it was like every was like item that you could think of, and it was <laughs> amazingly was it? descriptive. It was I like think we should scan it and then put it on there. It is. She <laughs> so she remembered funny. everything, including I had a fish whose name was Fish, and he was a a. Placostomous. massive like 13 inch big placostomus it's the sucker fish terrifying and he lived in a green dark green pea soup of a tank and every now and again he would flash across the front of the tank and you'd freak out because he's massive you're like What's he made this? like a splash it was like an orca whale jumped it was like an orca whale and it was really gross and he's like 11 years old and she had him and she had all these little things that we liked, like bubble tea. And I mean, and it was funny because it is like kind of what we liked like at the, the time. the weights that I had. Somehow you knew like the set yeah. of like How dumbbells that I had. Yeah. yeah or uh-huh. what shapes they were. They're like the octagon kind of looking ones. Or yeah. And she remembered all these little tiny nuances of things that she knew that Probably we... creeping in her house every day. <laughs> She's like peeking <laughs> in the window. <laughs> You're like, I wasn't without what you guys, this? but but I was thinking about it. Like, what I would what I would probably put is like your computer would be in there, you know, mm-hmm. the current computer. And what's interesting is the the computer that you were using at that time would be different than the one you're using now. Yes, that you use daily, you know. But there's these objects like. Chris, when you're talking about Fort Snelling, my initial thought was like, did they find like a bean can or something? Because that's the kind of thing that I feel like when we're studying old culture or not even that old culture, like decades ago, you look at like, what kind of garbage did they have? Yeah. What kind of usable stuff did they do? They're just going to find a bunch of Ikea. We're all going to (laughs) destroy our earth and then they're just going to find Ikea furniture just everywhere. Yeah, I'm sure they will. And then... A bunch of like pens and bic lighters. And they'll be like, what a colorful, fun, fun thing. This is probably their art materials. And then they'll be like, so many bic lighters. I actually have a bic lighter that I've had for a long time. It's and then like they'll that. light their bongs because they're, they're aliens. What? <laughs> they're aliens from my black light collection when I was in eighth grade. <laughs> what? That's what you think of when you think of aliens. Uh, yeah, I had a well. My sister had a poster that was like an alien. It had like a bong, and then it was a black light poster. And then it, I don't remember what it said, but it was holding up two fingers, like peace, dude. It was good. I should have done was that. It, it was a velvet black light. It poster? was a velvet black light poster. I feel yeah. like you get those at Walgreens, but I don't know if you could get those kinds. We got ours at Elvis's Palace. Mm. That was the go-to shop for black light posters in Stoughton. Did Wisconsin. it smell like incense? And did was it? Yeah, was it did. Yeah. Nirvana yep. playing all day. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think every city has one of those. But yeah, I know what you're saying, Francesca. I feel like it's interesting where you'd be able to be like, you at this moment, here's a collection of things that remind me of you, you know? And I think that's an interesting way to perceive a collection of, of like how you look at somebody else's curatorial skills. You know, if I were to think of like, same thing, like if we went around in a circle and I, I'm looking at Jenny and thinking about what I could, what I could put My in daily a, items yeah i'd be like running pa- stretchy pants i put quinoa <laughs> quinoa with no quinoa other toppings <laughs> you know and there'd be all these things where you'd be like what the hell collection is this except for you'd be like this is actually the stuff that this person uses every day and this is stuff that you don't even think of you know i'm sure if somebody really thought about what i had they'd be like okay big weird sweaters yeah, you know your yellow pencil yeah my yellow pencil a bunch of cat hair and then like you know <laughs> pile of cat hair a pile of cat like hair six rubber ba- or like hair binders yeah you know and there's yeah. stuff like that where you're like i what does that mean to anybody except for people that know the intimate like inner workings of who you are i mean i could do the same thing with all my students i could walk in there and be like i'm gonna make you a list of things that when i think about you these are the things that i relate <laughs> to you and it's funny because you pick up stuff like that just by like sitting there i mean i can tell you The kinds of TV shows that they like to, I mean, this is normal. This is what you do with anybody, right? But it's funny when you make a funny little, like, like, curated caricature of the interests of a person. And you're like, oh, that's the person that likes this one thing. That likes the plain quinoa. (laughs) You're like, that's the thing that defines you, (laughs) you know? But that's that's what I think is interesting is, yeah, it's not that. It's it's a combination of liking and necessity. Yeah. Like necessity and circumstances and and that you you kind of are more than just a curation of what you want to be. 
like you can curate quite a bit. You can kind of choose your clothes, you know, to an extent, depending on how much you want to spend on your clothes. Mm-hmm. But even that says something like you can it does. choose. But so you can choose some things, but then there are the the objects that I'm interested in are the ones that you chose without making like a super serious effort of curating, you know? And I think that's, that's, those are the best ones, I think. I mean, I feel like there, it comes from a place of authenticity. I think we all decide that we're going to buy like, actually, I don't, I don't know how many of these I have, but like you walk into a store and you're like, what a nice throw pillow. I'm going to decorate my house with that. And you're like, that's cool. But it's not like you love it with your soul. You like love your throw pillow. You have it. You know, um, like my, when you pick out socks, you might not be like, this is the sock. Well, maybe unless it's like really unique. Yeah. Unless you're the one with the socks, you know? Like but then that would be thing. a part of it unless too, is the fact that yeah. yeah, you need the socks. I was thinking about my, my earbuds keep going in and out. Yeah. And I always replace them with the same exact ones. Yeah. Because those are the ones that I find comfortable. And so I notice when other people have other kinds because like do you like how dare you well no i'm like is that a better one is why do you have those because i'm i've gotten to the point where i just came with their iphone well that's that's the ones i use i use the one that came with iphone because they feel the best to me but that's a thing that i you know speaking of podcasts i listen or i have them on so often that it's an accessory to your collection right but i don't it's not like the most exciting part i think somebody did do earbuds though for your show didn't they that's really funny. I wonder if their I, ear, I, ear hole is a different shape and and they can just mold it. I don't it. know. I have no idea. Yeah, that that is really funny. My headphones, only one works. The other one's duct taped. And <laughs> Luna says a lot. Shoot it. Yeah, it does say a lot. That's I don't want to really buy. Funny. I don't want to buy more. <laughs> you have well, a dog cool. and you don't want to buy more. Yeah. Well, that's how that works, you know. Well, I think this was a really awesome conversation. It's really funny. I like. I like thinking about collections i like thinking about like the 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 i guess the social and cultural implications of the things that you have and why people do what they do and if it's out of like interest or guilt or fashion or the moment or a weakness you know like whatever combination it is but i think it's really fun and if you guys haven't had a chance to see the bowerbird show you should totally come on in and take a peek at it it's really a fun time. And I like seeing all the little tiny details people put in the stuff that they have, even the very specific skulls and plants, Mm -hmm. super specific, Mm -hmm. you know, specific desserts. There's some really fun ones, um, that you can, you can spend like a really long time exploring. So, um, so yes, the show itself is going to be up for a while, uh, through January. We're going to give you, um, some updates as we get closer to the holidays about what's happening here at like gray art lab. Definitely check out the call for art. Um, and again, if you're looking for any last minute gift, gifty items, Oh, good news. Um, we are getting our final, uh, shipment of Cosmos decks. So if you've been waiting to get yours, I know some people put in some orders, we are getting them on the 9th, which is amazing. We've been waiting for so long. So um, thanks to everybody who's been really patient, sent us a note or two about that. We have them for you, and they're going to be shipping out any moment now. So uh, definitely stop in, say hi, and um, grab some fun stuff if you want to support the arts universe and uh, give cool stuff to people for holiday times. So where can people find us, Chris? You can email us at podcast at likegrayartlab.com. You can find us on Twitter at likegrayartlab. You can find us on Facebook. Give us a like there and you'll find out about upcoming shows, events, all sorts of things. You can follow us on Tumblr. We're likegrayartgallery.tumblr.com. You can follow us on Instagram, likegrayartlab. And you can uh, subscribe to this show on the iTunes Music Store or stream it directly on Stitcher Radio. Awesome. Well, thanks again, you guys, and hope to see you soon. And we'll talk with you later.